Hello, fifth graders. Happy last day of school. Yeah. Congratulations, fifth graders. You are now officially sixth graders. Wow. How's that feel? <clears throat> Heading off to a new school? Well, before that happens, enjoy your summer, right? Have a great one. Not sure what you're up to. Not sure if there's a whole lot you can do under these current situations, but I know you fifth graders and I know you'll make the best of it. And I know that you'll have an awesome, awesome, awesome summer. Whether you're staying at home or whether you are able to do a little traveling, whatever you decide to do, I hope it is refreshing and relaxing after a year, a school year that was a little different than any school year you probably have ever, ever had. You deserve it. So relax, enjoy yourself, do some things for you and, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the way the school ended. Don't worry about how different it was. Don't worry about whether or not you did as much as you think you should have done. Or don't worry about if you got every worksheet done or don't worry about if you read enough books or if you spend enough time doing math. Don't worry about those things, fifth graders. Everybody is in the same boat. So if you're like, I'm going to be behind, you're actually not. Because everybody is going to be, I suppose, behind. If we could even call it that. I think we're okay. I think we're okay. We spent a lot of time together since the school closure learning and reviewing things. We spent a lot of time on history. We spent some time on science. We read a couple of books together through this podcast. We did a lot of practice and review in our math. Really, the only units that we missed was some more of the multiplying and dividing by fraction stuff that we would have liked to have gotten to. And of course, some more with division. It would have been nice to come back to division in the end of the school year. But the middle school knows. The middle school knows what you have missed. The middle school knows what we didn't spend as much time on as we would have liked to have. They have that information and they're going to be ready for you. Same with science. We covered a lot of great science this year. And we did some biome work while the school was closed. We learned some things about the world around us. We didn't get to that chemistry unit, but that's okay. Again, middle school knows that you haven't done it. All right, <laughs> fifth graders. What I'm trying to do is ease any worry. You're going to be great. You're going to be fine. I want you to go into the summer knowing that and feeling that so that you can have a relaxing and comfortable summer. Congratulations, fifth graders. Last day of school. You did it. The school year is officially over. It is noon as I'm recording this on June 15th. The school bell rings at 12.20. Doors kick open at 12.20 to a summer of relaxing and enjoyment. So enjoy it, 5th graders. I'm going to see if I can get this episode done before 1220. Because at 1220, those doors bang open to summer. 
for me too. All right, here we go. Chapter 23 in Dogs Don't Tell Jokes. We've got Gary. He has shown up to the auditorium ready for the talent show. And guess what? His name is not on the program. Uh-oh. Like he needed a little bit of stress before this stressful situation, right? But it worked out. His name's not on the program, but he still gets to be in the show. He's got some plan in place for his show. We don't know what it is. We know he went to Gus's house for something, but we weren't told why. And so here we go. Let's find out. Chapter 23. Everyone spoke together. I pledge allegiance to the... Hey, goon! Joe whispered sharply. Take off your hat! Gary pretended not to hear him. Of America and to the Republic... Take off your hat, goon! Whispered Matt. No! He whispered back, one hand on his heart, the other on his hat. One nation, under... Show some respect, goon! Whispered Joe. He doesn't have to, said Fred first. With liberty and... Julie Rose turned around. Don't you love America? Sure, I love America, said Gary. I just don't want to take off my hat. There's no law saying you have to take off your hat for the Pledge of Allegiance, said Fred first. In fact, you don't have to say the Pledge of Allegiance if you don't want to. What's the matter? Don't you believe in freedom of speech? The hat stayed on. The title of Mrs. Ward's opening address was Inspiration in the Arts. Perspiration in the Farts, whispered Matt Hughes. Brenda Thompson laughed. Sounds like the name of a punk rock band, she said. Gary was too nervous to pay attention to the principal's speech. From what he heard, it had something to do with how she wanted to be a ballerina when she was 13 years old, but was too fat. So I can understand what these young people are feeling right now, said Mrs. Ward. There was polite applause. Then Miss Langley returned to the microphone and introduced the first contestant. Fred first. Good luck, said Gary. Mrs. Schnitzberry sat down in Fred's seat. Why are you wishing him luck for? She asked. He's your competition. She looked towards center stage and shouted, I hope you get the hiccups. Fred approached the microphone. Fred will do bird imitations, said Miss Langley. I understand you've been interested in birds all your life. Is that right, Fred? Yes, said Fred, but the microphone was too high for anyone to hear. Miss Langley helped him adjust the mic. He spoke into it. Yes, ever since I was a baby, the first word I said was bird. Several people in the audience said, Ah. Miss Langley stepped away. Gary could see Fred's knees shake. Why do I always have to be first? Fred asked into the microphone. A few members of the audience laughed, but most of them obviously didn't get the joke. Fred took a breath. For my first impression, I will do the North American Hoot Owl. Fred had a long neck, which seemed to get even longer when he did his bird imitation. Now I'll do a North American Hoot Owl that has been to school. Whom, whom? There was mild laughter. It would have been funnier, thought Gary, if Fred had paused before the punchline. That's an old bird imitator's joke, said Fred. Fred then did impressions of magpie. Twitter peep, Twitter peep. A nightingale, chirp, chirp, twitter, and a puffin, woo beep, woo beep. The audience politely applauded after each one. Gary didn't know what the real bird sounded like, so he had no idea if Fred's imitations were good or not. It suddenly occurred to him that probably nobody in the audience knew whether the imitations were accurate. Fred could have been making them up, but why would anybody do that? Now I'll do the mute swan, said Fred. He stood for several minutes without making a sound. Gradually the audience began to laugh as they caught on to his joke. 
He then made the sounds of a pelican, the petrel, and an oriole. For my final impression, I'd like to do the red-headed woodpecker. He took a deep breath, then laughed exactly like Woody Woodpecker. Gary cracked up. The audience laughed and applauded, too. Fred returned to the bench, all smiles. That was great, exclaimed Gary. You sounded exactly like Woody Woodpecker. It struck him that Woody Woodpecker was another famous comedian with a W. I'm just glad it's over, said Fred. It's weird to talk into a microphone. You hear yourself talking almost before you say it. So were those other ones real bird sounds? Asked Gary. Fred smiled. He wasn't telling. Connie Lee was next. She played the guitar and sang. Gary thought she had pretty black hair, but he didn't know much about music, so he couldn't tell if she was any good. Besides, Fred first was talking in his ear almost the entire time. I'm glad I was first, Fred said. Now that it's over, I can just sit back and enjoy the show. This is great. I just feel relaxed and charged up. I don't have to sit here and worry the whole time. Like me, said Gary. Oh, you'll do great, said Fred. Gary took a deep breath. Susan Smith did did gymnastics. She set out mats on the floor of the stage and then performed several flips, cartwheels, and splits. Oh, that hurts, Fred first said every time Susan did a split. Joe Reed, said Miss Langley. Joe stood up. He winked at Gary, then swaggered confidently up to the mic. Joe will sing a rap song that he wrote himself. It's called Going Insane. Going Insane, said Joe. Going, not going. No G. Excuse me, said Miss Langley. How could I have made such a horrible mistake? Some of the adults in the audience laughed. Going insane, said Miss Langley. Joe took a pair of sunglasses out of his shirt pocket and put them on. He started clapping his hands in rhythm until the whole audience joined in, keeping the beat. There's this guy at school and he thinks he's cool. He wears pink and yellow shorts. His toes are clean, but his tongue is green and his nose is covered with warts. Red, purple, blue, black. Stay away from my baby, Jack. Going insane. Going insane. Has anybody, has anybody seen my brain? Going insane. Going insane. Has anybody, has anybody, has anybody seen my brain? Yeah. I don't think he's going insane. Fred whispered. I think he already is insane. The song had several more verses. After a while, the audience stopped clapping along, but Joe continued to rap out the words. There's a book I read by a dude who's dead. I can't remember his name. It's about a girl who lost her pearl, and they all say I'm to blame. Oscar, Grover, Big Bird, Ernie. It sure has been a long, hard journey. Going insane. Going insane. Has anybody, has anybody, has anybody seen my brain? Yeah, I think it's in a jar at the Smithsonian, whispered Fred. Going insane. Going insane. Has anybody, has anybody, has anybody seen my brain? Yeah. Everyone waited to make sure it was over, and then clapped. Joe smiled and took off his sunglasses. Radical, said Matt as Joe sat down next to him. Awesome, said Julie Rose. Have you tried looking under the bed? Asked Fred first. Gary took another breath. He tried to focus on his own act how he was going to begin, his exact words, but he couldn't concentrate. It felt like his brain was bouncing around inside his head. Brenda Thompson, announced Miss Langley. Brenda approached the microphone. Brenda is the student council secretary. She was the one who came up with the idea for having this talent show. The audience applauded. What made you think of a talent show, Brenda? Well, people are always putting down the younger generation, saying we're all on drugs or something. I just wanted to show the kid the kind of talent and spirit we have here at Floyd Hicks Junior High. There was more applause. 
Fred stuck his finger down his throat. Brenda sang a song called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. The backup music played over the speaker system, while above her, different colored lights flashed on and off. It seemed to take forever. Gary wished it would all go quicker. He wanted to hurry up and be his turn before he forgot everything he was going to say. She sounds just like the record, Fred whispered. Gary didn't know. He'd never heard the song before. So I understand your friends say you're the funniest kid in school, said Miss Langley. Matt Hughes shrugged. Gary paid close attention. Matt will now tell us some of his favorite jokes. Well, they're not my favorites, said Matt. I can't say my favorites. Several people laughed. All right, Matt, shouted Joe. Suddenly, Gary had a terrible fear that somehow Matt had made up some of the same jokes he had. What if he'd thought of Rudolph? Matt took a piece of paper from his back pocket, but it fell out of his hand onto the floor of the stage. He turned his back to the audience as he bent down to pick it up, then unfolded it and stepped up to the microphone. What is it that my dad never wanted, but now that he has it, he doesn't want to lose it? A bald head. What do you call a sleeping bull? A bulldozer. We have a great watchdog. Whenever a booger, I mean a burglar, I don't know why I said booger, he laughed. Uh, I guess I have boogers on the brain. He looked back down at his paper. Uh, Whenever a burglar comes, he hides under the bed and watches. I'm glad my parents named me Matt. No, why? Because that's what everyone calls me. Gary exhaled. It's a tough crowd tonight, he thought. True, Matt didn't pause, and he lost the flow with all that talk about boogers. But still, those were four pretty good jokes, and hardly anyone laughed. What's the judge say when a skunk came to court? Oh, odor in the court. Gary's heart jumped a little bit. For a second, he was absolutely sure Matt was going to tell some dead skunk jokes. Uh, If you drop a white scarf into the Red Sea, what will it become? Uh, Wet. Matt continued to tell his jokes. He obviously hadn't made up any of his own. Gary had heard them all before, but that didn't seem to ease Gary's mind. Watching Matt tell jokes, as he himself would soon be doing, just made him feel more nervous. Matt began another joke. A man and a woman got married and were going on their honeymoon. They were in the hotel room, and they both started taking off their clothes. The man looked at the woman, and Miss Langley quickly walked to the microphone. Thank you very much, Matt, she said. That was good. She clapped her hands, and the audience joined in the applause. I was afraid that might have been one of his favorites, Miss Langley explained. More people laughed at that than at any of Matt's jokes. Leslie Ann Cummings, said Miss Langley. Gary, Gary nearly jumped as he felt a hand on his shoulder. Wish me luck, said the girl with braces. He looked back at her and said, Break a leg. She smiled. Break both legs, tinsel teeth, said Miss Schnitzberry, now seated behind Gary, in Leslie Ann's seat. Leslie Ann was wearing a long skirt that almost touched the floor. I understand you don't much care for modern music, said Miss Langley. Leslie Ann shrugged. I like it okay. She sang Anything Goes by Cole Porter. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. She raised her skirt just a little bit, revealing a glimpse of her stocking. Now heaven knows, anything goes. She twirled and kicked her leg up high, revealing a lot more. Gary smiled as he watched her. He always thought he didn't like music, but he liked watching and listening to Leslie Ann. She really seemed to put her heart and soul into what she was doing as she belted out the words. Good authors, too, who once knew better words, now only use four-letter words. Writing prose, anything goes. She did another song, You're the Top, 
and then returned to the side of the stage, her face red and glowing. That was really good, Gary told her. You're sweet, she said. Julia Rose was not the least bit nervous. I understand you want to be a poet, but you also want to make money, said Miss Langley. Well, I don't want to starve or anything, said Julie. All you ever hear about are starving poets. I'm going to go to law school, and then I want to be on the Supreme Court, but instead of just stating my court decisions, I plan to recite them in verse. That would be a refreshing approach, Miss Langley said. We could probably use a few good poets on the Supreme Court. Several people applauded. Give me a break, murmured Fred first. Julie recited some of her poetry. Jerry understood poetry even less than music. He tried again to focus on his own act. He was afraid he might have practiced too much. Comedy was supposed to be spontaneous. It wasn't too late to quit. Not really. The audience clapped loudly for Julie as she returned to her seat. Gary had heard the expression, a cold sweat, but he had never before realized there was actually such a thing. His hands were sweating, yet felt ice cold. Marcia and Posey announced Miss Langley. Gary looked at his program. It was going too fast. After Marcia was Alex Roth, then him. Marcia already had on her roller skates. She skated around in circles, forward and backward. One of the benches had been brought to the center of the stage, and Marcia jumped over it, first forward, then backward. She approached the end of the bench, jumped on it, then skated on one foot the length of the bench, and jumped off, still on one foot. She turned around and skated the length of the bench the other way, this time using her other foot. I can't even skate on two feet, said Fred first. Me neither, said Leslie Ann Cummings, behind him. Alex Roth, said Miss Langley. Oh, God, I'm next, Gary moaned. Relax, Fred whispered. Have fun. That was easy for Fred to say. Fred was done. He was lucky. He got to go first. The piano was rolled to center stage. Alex played two short pieces by Bach, Invention Number 1 in C Major and Invention Number 8 in F Major. Again, it was music, so Gary didn't know if he played well or not. Alex didn't seem to make any mistakes, but only Bach knew for sure, and he was dead. Gary took several more deep breaths. It was supposed to help him relax, but instead it made him feel lightheaded and dizzy. I know it's been a long night, said Miss Langley, but we have one more talented contestant, Gary W. Boone. He wet his pants. Chapter 24 Gary held the grocery bag full of props in front of his pants as he made his way to center stage. He had no idea how big a spot he'd made, or if it even showed, though he was wearing white pants, so it probably did. But he wasn't about to drop the bag and look. Gary will tell jokes, said Miss Langley. He heard cheers from Abel, Gus, and Melissa, but he couldn't see them because the bright lights were shining on him and the audience was in the dark. Thank you, Miss Longlegs, he said. The audience laughed. Why, Gary, said Miss Langley with mock embarrassment. I never thought you noticed. The audience laughed again. It took him a moment to realize what he had said. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, he stammered. He heard his voice boom over the speaker system. Like Fred first had said, it was almost as if he heard his voice coming from the speakers before he even said the words. He stared out at the audience. His mind froze. He couldn't remember how he was supposed to begin. My, my friends call me Goon, he said, and you, you're my friends. He didn't know why he said that. He sounded like a politician, not a comedian. See, you take the G from Gary and the Boon from Goon, and then... No, wait, did I say Boon? I, I mean, okay, okay, let me start over. 
Well, no, I, I won't start over. You should, you should never start over. I guess I shouldn't have eaten a dead skunk for breakfast. Ha <laughs> ha. It was all coming out wrong. He wasn't supposed to say that yet. And we didn't have any maple syrup. Ha <laughs> ha. He heard Abel laugh loudly. Nobody else joined him. It reminds me of that rude policeman. Rudolph the... At that moment, Ryan Utt and Paul Wattenberg rushed the stage. Instinctively, Gary dropped the paper bag, grabbed his hat with both hands, and held it firmly on his head as Paul smashed a cream pie in his face. Ryan sprayed him up and down with a seltzer bottle. Then the two boys disappeared from the stage as quickly as they had come. There were a few gasps, but mostly everyone just sat in shocked silence. Miss Langley stood up. With one finger, Gary wiped the cream away from his eyes. He spoke into the microphone. That was my fan club. Everyone laughed. He licked his finger, then turned toward Paul and Ryan, who were at the foot of the stage. My compliments to the chef. The audience laughed again, and Miss Langley sat back down. It happens to me wherever I go, said Gary. That's why I always carry this. He reached into his paper bag and pulled out a large bath towel. The audience laughed as Gary wiped his face with the towel. When he finished, he held it up and said, Don't leave home without it. They actually applauded. The two disasters had canceled each other out. His pants were now wet anyway from the seltzer. He felt calm and in control. The audience was on his side. As I was saying, My name is Gary Boone, but all my friends, he glanced at Paul and Ryan, call me Goon. They even laughed at that. See, my first name's Gary, and my last name's Boone, so when you put them together, you get Goon. Now, if you think that's bad, I've got a sister named Sally. Everyone calls her Saloon. There was more laughter, led by Gus, Abel, and Melissa. I have another sister named Barbara. You know what we call her? Pause. One, two, three. Baboon. He waited a moment. Of course, it doesn't help that she's always eating bananas and scratching her armpits. But probably the person with the worst name is my best friend, Phil Hart. I can't even tell you what we call him. He waited as bits of laughter broke out in different sections of the audience as different people got the joke. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm wearing this hat. Well, it's kind of a long story. Tell us, shouted Gus. Gary smiled. Okay, I will. It started out this morning. I guess you might say I got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. He paused. My bed is up against the wall. He paused again. I think I broke my nose. Several people laughed. I went downstairs where my mother was making breakfast. I couldn't smell a thing. Another pause. Actually, that's not bad when my mother is cooking breakfast. I should break my nose more often. He thought he heard his mother laugh. She's not exactly the greatest cook. Last night we had fish for dinner. My mother fed them worms. The rest of us had spaghetti. You know the difference between a plate of spaghetti and a plate of worms? Well, you better find out if you were ever invited to our house for dinner. After breakfast, I went to the doctor. Doc, I think my nose is broken. He looked at it and said, Nope, it's still running. But Doc, I said, I don't smell. Oh, yes, you do. He said, you stink. Gary held his nose with one hand and fanned away the foul-smelling air with the other, imitating the doctor. The audience laughed. So Gary pretended they'd hurt his feelings. Sure, you laugh. Well, I didn't think it was very funny. I thought he was being rude. I don't know. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I shouldn't have eaten two dead skunks for breakfast. The audience laughed. He hadn't planned to say two dead skunks, but at that moment, it suddenly seemed funnier than just one. 
It was the only time a doctor has ever told me not to say ah. So, do you want to know why I ate two dead skunks for breakfast? Why? shouted Melissa Abel and several other people near them. You were out of waffles, answered Gary. But I started to tell you why I'm wearing this hat. See, the doctor gave me some special mouthwash and soap. He reached into his paper sack and pulled out a used bar of soap and half a bottle of mouthwash. This stuff is so strong, you can't even buy it without a prescription. He took a whiff of the soap, then quickly turned his head away and coughed. So I went home and I gargled. Actually, the mouthwash didn't taste too bad. He looked at the bottle. Sort of like, um, well, actually it tasted a lot like a dead skunk. Except without the maple syrup. Oh, gross, someone shouted amid the laughter. That just made the crowd laugh more. For a second, Gary stopped and enjoyed the laughter. He felt completely at home on stage, in front of a microphone. Everything was clicking for him. He had his routine down pat, but he was also ad-libbing to give it spontaneity. That reminds me. You know how to tell a girl worm from a boy worm? By kissing them. Everyone laughed. He hadn't planned to tell that joke. It just felt right at the moment. He quickly went on before anyone realized it made no sense. I got in the shower and put that special soap all over me. He pulled out a washcloth out of his sack. They even laughed at that, which surprised him because he didn't remember thinking that was a joke. He pretended he was in the shower. He washed his chest, his feet, behind his knees, under his arms. It all worked better than he'd planned, since he was wet from the seltzer. He smelled his armpit, then washed it again. So there I was, all covered with this special soap from head to toe, and suddenly the water shut off. The smelly stuff was even in my hair, and no water. Can you imagine that? You can? You people are sick. I don't imagine any of you naked in the shower. He paused. Well, maybe some of you. Some of you. <clears throat> he continued to look out at the audience, and you always thought I was paying attention. He covered his face with his hands and shook her head. He looked back at the audience. So there I was, covered with soap, no water. He stopped. You know, I really got this backward. My friend Phil Hart, I told you about, he gave me advice on how to keep from getting stage fright. He said, just imagine everyone in the audience naked. A few people laughed. Instead, I've got everyone in the audience imagining me naked. Of course, that's Phil's advice for anything. You know how to keep from crying at funerals? Imagine everyone naked. You know what to do if you get sent to the principal's office? Imagine the principal naked. He glanced at Miss Ward, but she didn't seem to think it was funny. Phil was a great baseball player until he played against an all-girls team. The audience was already laughing, anticipating the punchline. He struck out looking every time. So you want to know why I ate two dead skunks for breakfast? Why? At least half the audience shouted back to him. I couldn't wait until lunch. Okay, so I'm standing in the shower with no water. Gary stopped. He picked up his towel and wrapped it around his waist. There. That's better. Do you want to know why the, the real reason I ate two dead skunks for breakfast? Why? Everyone almost shouted. Because one's just never enough, like potato chips. So I'm standing in the shower with the special soap all over me with nothing to do except wait for the water to come back on. It was miserable. I got to thinking about my rude doctor. He reminded me of that famous rude policeman, Officer Ed. You know, the one they wrote the song about? He looked at the audience as if surprised they didn't know what he was talking about. You know about Officer Ed, don't you? He was always very rude to everyone, even more rude than my doctor. One day, a husband and wife came to a street corner where Officer Ed was directing traffic. Good morning, Officer Ed, said the husband. Shut up, said Officer Ed. I suppose you want me to stop traffic now, just so you and your ugly wife can cross the street. 
My, it's a beautiful day, said the wife. It's going to rain, stupid, said Officer Ed. I've never met such stupid people in all my life. But there's not a cloud in the sky, said the woman. Read my lips, lady, said Officer Ed. It's going to rain. Sure enough, before they even made it across the street, the clouds blew in and the rain poured down. The man and woman had to run under a doorway for cover. My goodness, said the woman. Officer Ed is extremely rude. Yes, dear, said her husband, but he knows rain. Well, it just so happened that the man and woman were songwriters, and that's what gave them the idea for that famous song. Gary put his hands on his hips and looked at the audience as if surprised they didn't know the song. Oh, come on, you know that song. He spoke the title very slowly. Rude Officer Ed Knows Rain, Dear. Gary repeated the title, this time singing it to the tune of the well-known Christmas song. Rude Officer Ed Knows Reindeer. There were many groans amid the laughter. So, you want to know why I ate two dead skunks for breakfast? Why? Because the live ones squeal when you stick in that fork. The towel, which had been wrapped around him, suddenly fell to the floor. The audience laughed hysterically as he quickly picked it up and wrapped it back around himself, feigning embarrassment. I found out later that the reason I had no water was because my dad was fixing something in the other bathroom. Pause. One, two, three. He was changing a light bulb. My dad's great around the house. He turns off the water when he changes the light bulb. And he turns off the electricity when the toilet gets backed up. Can't be too careful, he says. Gary thought he heard his father laugh. He's right, too. Especially when he's the one doing the work. He recently installed an automatic garage door opener and a new toilet. Now every time you push the button to open the garage, the toilet flushes. And every day when he drives home from work, he honks his horn. And then I run to the bathroom and push the lever down on the toilet so the garage door will open. Well, anyway, after about two hours, my dad finished changing the light bulb and the water came back on. By the time I got out of the shower, it was time for lunch. You want to know why my mother made... What? You want to know what my mother made for lunch? What? Gary shrugged. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Why'd you want to know that? But I was telling you why I was wearing this hat. See, I had that special prescription soap in my hair for two hours, so... In one sweeping motion, he took off his hat and bowed. He was bald from ears up. The audience went wild. Chapter 25 That was something, said Miss Langley, joining Gary at center stage. May I feel? Sure. The audience laughed as she ran her fingers over the top of Gary's bald head. Smooth, she said. Gary smiled. So why'd you leave the hair on the sides of your head, she asked. That way you couldn't tell I shaved my head when I was wearing my hat, he explained. See, he put the hat back on his head, then took it off again. The audience applauded. His hair formed a halo around his head. Clever, said Miss Langley. So, Gary W. Boone, what does the W stand for? Wolfgang, said Gary. Everyone laughed again. Rocket, said Fred first as Gary, hat on his head, returned to the bench behind the curtain. Come on, goon, take your hat off, said Brenda. Let us see your head. Gary obliged. All the other contestants gathered around. Only Joe stayed away. Paul Wattenberg and Ryan Utt were also backstage. No hard feelings, huh, goon, said Paul. Are you kidding? That was great, said Gary, as Marsha Posey touched his head. Pie in the face, seltzer, it was classic. Leslie and Cummings looked, but didn't touch. You're all right, goon, said Paul. You really are bald, said Ryan. As bald as your butt, said Gary. All the contestants were brought back on stage. 
Miss Lindley held her hand over each student's head, and the audience applauded accordingly. Third prize ice cream sundaes for two went to Susan Smith, the gymnast. Brenda Thompson won second prize, the gift certificate at Zulu's Records. And two thunderous applause, Gary Wolfgang Boone was awarded first prize. He tipped his hat to the crowd. His parents were waiting for him when he stepped down from the stage. I'm just glad I didn't know, said his mother. Then she hugged him. His father hugged him as soon as his mother let him go. You're not mad, asked Gary. You already cut it off, his mother said. What good would it do to be mad? Just do me a favor. When we visit Grandma next week, leave your hat on. There's the superstar, said Abel Persopolis. May I have the privilege of shaking your hand? Gary shook Abel's hand and Gus's. Gus winked at him. Melissa took off Gary's hat and kissed him right on top of the head. You must be Gary's parents, said Abel. Abel Persopolis, I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. Spencer Boone, said Gary's father, shaking his hand. But you can call me Spoon. They all laughed. Too bad Angeline couldn't be here, Gary's mother said. Well, we videotaped it for her, said Melissa. She nodded to the boy holding the camcorder. We'll show it to her tomorrow, before the croquet game. Oh, that's perfect, said Gary's father. And Gary, you be sure to wear your hat until after the video is over. No, even before, take it off right at the same time you take it off in the video. You might want to shave your head again tomorrow morning, so there's no stubble, suggested Gary's mother. Gary looked at them in disbelief. Were these his parents? Why don't you tell I'll come over for dinner after your croquet game, said Gary's mother. I've got a new recipe for dead skunk. Abel, Gus, and Melissa laughed. Just be sure to bring a garage door opener with you, said Gary's father, in case you have to use the bathroom. Abel pointed at Gary and said, Now I know where you get it. The fifth grader who had operated the camera asked Gary for his autograph. Fred first was leaving with three people who were obviously his parents and big sister. Gary went after them. Hey, Fred. Fred stopped and turned. Thanks, said Gary. For what? Gary smiled and shrugged. You want to play croquet tomorrow? Okay. Great, said Gary. He gave him directions to Angeline's house. Oh, and you have to wear a hat. No problem, said Fred. And if anybody asks you what's cooking, you say mashed potatoes and gravy. Why? Gary shrugged. I don't know. Okay, said Fred. Do your bird calls for Angeline. She'll know if you were just making them up. Fred smiled. Mrs. Carlyle, Gary's English teacher, firmly shook Gary's hand. Congratulations, she said. She, was, she had a surprisingly strong grip. Thanks. You put a lot of work into it, didn't you? She asked. He nodded. It showed, she said. Now if only you put that same creativity and effort into your classwork. She smiled at him. Gary shrugged. I'll try, he said. Although he knew he wouldn't. Why would he ever want to work that hard for school? Very professional, Miss Carlyle continued. Have you ever thought about being a stand-up comic? Not really, said Gary. Hey, goon, football tomorrow? asked Joe. Gary turned. Can't. I'm playing croquet. Croquet? asked Joe. You crack me up, goon. He reached toward Gary as if he was going to rub his head, but then he brought his hand back, afraid to touch it. You want to play? asked Gary. Croquet? You sure you didn't shave off part of your brain? Mr. Bone will be there. Remember our fifth grade teacher? Angeline Persopolis. You're sandbagging me, right? Asked Joe. Gary still didn't know what he meant by that. Zach joined him. So, is he going to play? He can't, Joe said somewhat snidely. He's playing croquet with his fifth grade teacher. Someone tapped his shoulder. He turned around. Congratulations, Gary, said Leslie Ann Cummings. Thanks, 
I thought you should have won too. You sang better than Brenda Thompson. I would have voted for you. She smiled. Oh, I don't care. You know how it is. The popular kids always win. I mean, unless you're super talented. Gary blushed. So, when will it grow back? She asked. It took Gary a second to figure out that she meant. Oh, I don't know, probably about four months. Oh, that's perfect, said Leslie Ann. I get my braces off in four months. She hurried away. Gary watched her for a moment. Did she just say what he thought she said? He left his bag of props under the bench on, st- under the bench on stage. He went back up to get it, then sat down for a moment and rested on the bench. He suddenly felt very tired. He took a long, deep breath as he held his chin in his hands, propped up by his elbows. The buzz of the auditorium seemed to surround him, or maybe it was his own brain that was buzzing. He took another long, deep breath. He looked at the back of the purple curtain. It had worn thin in a number of places, and was tattered around the edges. It really was quite dingy. He would have thought the school would have taken better care of its curtain. At least clean it once in a while. He took out his big towel and wiped a tear from his eye. He was still crying 15 minutes later when his mother came up on stage to see what had happened to him. And that is the conclusion of Dogs Don't Tell Jokes. But there's a little extra section here at the end. I'll read to you, fifth graders. It's The Critics Raved. And it's various quotes from some of Gary's classmates. Here we go. Hilarious, stupendous, amorphous, Fred first. I never stop laughing. Funny, he redefined the word. Funny doesn't mean what it meant yesterday. Angeline Persopolis. He deserved to win. He was quite funny in an amazing sort of way. Nancy Langley. Well, sure, I could have won too if I had shaved my head. Matt Hughes. The world's greatest sandbagger. Joe Reed. He's going to be famous someday. Abel Persopolis. That's my son. I used to be known as quite a wit myself. Or was it that a half-wit? Haha, <laughs> he even looks like me. And who knows, maybe in a few years, after I lose a little more hair, he'll look more like me. Spencer Boone. Brilliant. Just don't look at him. Pretense Boone. I laughed. I don't know why I laughed, but I laughed. Mrs. Walls. Yeah, he's hilarious. Now, are we going to go play football, or are we just going to stand around talking about goon? Zach. I've known Gary since he was in fifth grade. I always knew he had it in him. I was glad to see him finally reach his potential. Yuck, I sound just like a teacher, don't I? Melissa Turbone. Way to go, Buster. Now, if you'll excuse me, it's time for my mud bath. Gladys Pigbubble Schnitzberry. I don't get it, Ira Feldman. He's the tops. He's the Tower of Pisa. He's the smile on the Mona Lisa. Leslie Ann Cummings. He's still a you-know-what, Ryan Utt. Strange, but funny. Still, I don't think he should have won first prize. Brenda Thompson. I didn't think all the jokes about nudity were appropriate. This is a school, not a Las Vegas nightclub. Mrs. Ward. Like, I'm really going to imagine Gary Boone naked. Gross. Julie Rose. You have to admire the goon, Paul Wattenberg. How could flushing a toilet cause a garage door to open? That's impossible. Michael Higgins. Don't ask me. I don't know who shaved his head. Gus. He's got something inside him that I don't think any of us realized before. There's a spark. Mrs. Carlyle. So what? It was just a rinky-dinky junior high school talent show. Philip Corbin. I swear I don't know Gary Boone. But my teacher read this book to our class, and now everyone is picking on me. Thanks a lot, goon. Phil Hart.
And that's the end of the story, fifth graders. All right. Well, what do you think? How was Gary's routine? Was it funny? Pretty surprising that he whipped off his hat and was completely bald at the end. <laughs> very entertaining book. Very enjoyable. With a really good, strong message about being yourself and doing the things you enjoy and not worrying so much about others. But also, the way we treat people. Treating people with kindness. Being good to one another. Honoring our differences. Celebrating the things that make us unique. It's a great story. I hope you enjoyed it. Fifth graders, I've enjoyed working with you this year. I've enjoyed our conversations. I've enjoyed working in small groups. I've enjoyed working in big groups. Enjoyed taking on projects, building things, creating things, orchestrating things. It has been a great year, and I look forward to hearing from you. Your official life homework from your fifth grade teacher, Mr. Dion, is to come back and visit. Come say hello, as I would love to hear about your adventures. I'd love to hear about what you are up to and the wonderful things you do, and the successes that you experience. I might have been your teacher for one year of fifth grade, fifth graders, but I hope that you'll consider me as a teacher for life. I'm here. You know where to find me. If I'm not here, I'll be somewhere, and you know that I'll always be very willing and very eager to help you out. All right, fifth graders, be well. 